Welcome to the fifth installment in the Crazy Maker series, and today we are talking about a particular crazy making thing, okay, and I say that because what you're going to see is that today we're not talking about a particular crazy maker that's outside, but one that is inside, and I want to start off by reading this note here. Can you help me with the lights there, please? I want to start off by reading a note that I received from somebody, anonymous note, as relates to this series, and it's nobody who's in our, our congregation, someone from not here, says this. says, your Crazy Maker series is really helping me a lot, but there's one area where I always make myself crazy. That is the fear of disapproval. It really messes up my relationships and makes me miserable. To be honest, I'm so afraid of being rejected that I let people walk all over me. It affects what I say, what I wear. It even affects the food that I eat. I hate feeling this weak, but I don't know how to change. Some of you can relate to this, I'm sure. For all my life, I've worried about what other people will think about me. As a little child, I quickly learned that certain things would bring the smile and approval of my parents and other adults. Then when I started grade school, the approval of my friends became the most important thing in my life. Now I'm in college, but I've never grown out of this fear of being rejected. I still live my life mainly based on the approval of others. I want so badly to be liked, to fit in, and to be accepted that I've done all kinds of dumb stuff that my friends and boyfriends have forced me to do. I really regret that. Most of the time, I know the right thing to do. I'm just too afraid to do it, worrying about what my friends will think. Why am I so weak? Why can't I handle their disapproval? I have opinions, but I'm always afraid to express them. I'm tired of saying yes to people just because I'm afraid to say no. I'm tired of caring too much about what other people think of me. You can relate to that one. Let me say that one again. I'm tired of caring too much about what other people think of me. I'm tired of being manipulated and used, but in many ways, it's my fault. Sometimes I feel I don't even know who I am. I'm just a collection of the expectations of others. I give a lot of credit to that person who wrote that note because that is not an easy note to write. It took a lot of courage. But I have great admiration for that person because that person realized something very important. That one of the greatest barriers to your happiness in life is a crazy maker that isn't out there. But it's a crazy maker that's in there. And it's the crazy maker inside you which is fear of rejection, fear of disapproval, fear of the opinions of others. And if you have that guy inside you, everyone around you will become a crazy maker. Everyone around you will become a crazy maker. They'll manipulate you, they'll control you, and it is 99% of the time your fault. Proverbs chapter 29, verse 25. Solomon says this, says, the fear, of the, the fear of man brings a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord shall be safe. What's a snare mean? You all know what the word snare means? Trap. A hidden trap. A snare is I'm walking down the road and somebody booby-trapped the road or put like the, the trip wire, something like that. Fear of man is a trap. It's a snare. And if you allow this to be inside of you, you're in for trouble. You're going to be miserable for the majority of your life if you allow people's opinion and approval to control you. What we're going to talk about today is a crazy maker, like I said, that isn't an outside crazy maker where you're the crazy maker making yourself crazy. And we're going to talk about people-pleasing, or what I put in the title is approval addiction. But before I get into that stuff, let me ask a simple question. Is it bad to try to please others? Is it a bad thing that I want to please others? Is it bad that you want to please your parents? Is it bad that you want to please your friends? Certainly we know it's not bad if you want to please your husbands. No one will object to that. Is it a bad thing to try to be a pleasing to others and approve, have the approval of others? No, it's not a bad thing. It's a biblical thing, and it's commanded by the Bible. Word of God says, two verses, 1 Timothy 3, 7. Moreover, it's talking about a man who is a deacon in the church, like a servant of the church, said he must have a good testimony among those who are outside, lest he fall into a reproach and the snare of the devil, saying he has to be a man of good reputation. And the same thing when they chose St. Stephen to be one of the deacons, they said we need someone of good reputation. Good testimony. Proverbs 22, verse 1. A good name is to be chosen rather than great riches, loving favor rather than silver and gold. A good name means a good reputation. 
means the approval of others. Is that means people look at you and say, he's a good guy or she's a good girl. If you don't care about pleasing others, you know what that's called? That's called selfish, more to the extreme. It's narcissistic, more to the extreme. Okay, and I don't say, I'm saying this seriously. It's sociopathic. Do y'all know what the word sociopath means? Like you think of a sociopath, you think of the people who shoot up stuff. Well, the word literally, sociopath is, sociopath is defined by someone whose behavior is antisocial, lacks a sense of moral responsibility and social conscience. That's why they do these wicked crimes. Because they lack a moral conscience or, any, or moral responsibility or social conscience. Wanting the approval of others is not bad. It's bad when it dominates your life. Just like everything else, kind of relating to what we talked about last week in the Boundary series, is that it's not bad that I look and I say, I want this person to approve of me. It's a good thing. It's a good thing that we want others to respect us, to love us. But it's bad when that dominates my life. And it's bad when that becomes the only thing that I care about. All of God's gifts used to an extreme can be harmful. Okay, like we have legitimate need inside us. Let's say we have a need to relax, need to rest. Taken to the extreme, that's laziness. We have a need to eat. Taken to the extreme, okay, that's where a lot of us, you know, might find ourselves, okay? Same thing with a need for approval of others. It's not a bad thing. It's a legitimate need that we have a desire for other people to say, good job. But taken to an extreme, it's no good. The goal for today is, is not to not care what other people think about me. The goal is to not live for the approval of others. Okay, you see the difference? The goal is not to not care. We don't want to be rude and, and reckless and, 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 and selfish people. We don't care what other people say or other people do. But we don't want that to guide us and to dominate our lives. So, question for you is, are you a people pleaser? Are you someone who is an addiction, approval, addiction personer, okay? Are you addicted to the approval of others? As you see, this person right here had the diet of chronic people-pleasing, okay, or chronic addiction approval. Easy thing, you sit there in your chair, you say, no, that's not me. I don't have a problem with that. Are you sure? Because I guarantee you that you used to have a problem with it. You used to have a problem with it. And most likely, you did nothing about this problem, and that's why probably it still lingers to some degree. You know how I know you used to have it? You, you, you know how I know you used to have it? Because you went to high school, didn't you? You know what high school is? It's people-pleasing. That's all high school is. Think back to when you were in high school. Every single kid who's in high school will say the number one struggle is peer pressure, trying to fit in and trying to make sure that, that this person invites me to their party or that this one thinks I'm cool or that I'm in this group. Every single one of us went through it. The problem is when we get older, we feel embarrassed to say, yeah, peer pressure is a big deal for me. So what we do is worse. We just justify it as, no, that's what I want. But that ain't what you want. My point is I know that you had a problem with peer pressure then, and if, unless you proactively did something about it, I bet you it's still lingering around to some degree inside you. You know when you have a child, all right, and that child you know, does something dumb, you know, and then the parents say, why would you do that? And the kid says, because my friend did it. And every parent is trained to respond back and say, if all your friends jumped off a bridge, would you do that too? If all your, I don't know who wrote this in the Parenting 101 handbook. If all your friends jumped off a bridge. As a kid, nothing more frustrating and annoying than to hear this dumb question. Because in our minds, we think to ourselves, I'm not dumb. I would never do something harmful. I would never do something that I know 100% is wrong just for the sake of others. At least that's what we say. I wanted to get some examples of people who allowed peer pressure and addiction approval and people pleasing to basically jump off the bridge even though they knew they shouldn't have. Bible. Peter. Peter, the disciple, the rock, man of faith, the one who was the first one to say, you are Jesus, the son of the living God. The one who said to Jesus, I'm going to follow you all the way. And even if I have to die, I won't deny you. And Jesus said, hey, Peter, let me give you a heads up. You're going to deny me. 
He even had like the forecast. He was even told, this is going to happen at this time before this. He was even told exactly what time of day it's going to happen. He said, no, 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 never, 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 never. I'm your guy. I'm your bodyguard. I'm, I'm with you. What happened? Jesus gets arrested on trial. Peter's standing there. Some people say, hey, you're with him, aren't you? No, I ain't with him. Hey, you're one. No, 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 it's not me. Did he not know what it was? Did he not know it was wrong? But what happened? Fear of man. People pleasing. How about Pilate? The governor who ended up crucified, the Roman governor who crucified Christ. He even said, it's even written in the Bible. He said that I see no wrong in this man. He has done nothing wrong at all. And he knew and even had his wife telling him, stay away from this man. Why did he crucify him then? Because he was scared of the people. He was scared of the people. Go back further in the Old Testament. Joseph in the Old Testament. His brothers. Joseph had 11 brothers. They threw him in a well. They threw him in a well. They left him for dead. Then they eventually sold him as a slave into Egypt. Look, everyone gets into a fight, a little tiff, a little spat with their brother and sister. But you know, there's limits. You don't throw each other in wells. Like, there's just certain limits, okay? You hit with fists. You don't hit with weapons. These are, these are rules, okay? You don't throw each other in wells. I can't imagine that Joseph, all his brothers, it was 10 of his brothers, okay, that picked him up and threw him in. There wasn't one of them that said, hey, this might not be the best idea. Maybe we should slow down. Actually, one of them, Reuben, did say it. And he said, this isn't a good idea. And then what happened? Peer pressure. He said, no, 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 you stay back. He said, oh, okay, that's fine. New Testament. A story in John chapter 9 of someone. All those examples that I just gave you are people jumping off the bridge because their friend told them to jump off the bridge. John chapter 9 is the greatest example of some people who jumped off the bridge. The story of John 9 is about a man who was born blind. From his birth, the guy not just had eyes that were broken, had no eyes. And he was a beggar. And he sat by on the road, and every day everyone knew, that's the blind guy, that's the blind guy. Jesus comes up, heals this blind guy. The greatest miracle ever. You're the parents. How do you respond to this great miracle? This should be the greatest day of your lives. This is the greatest day of your life. Your son who was born blind can now see your face. How do the parents respond in this story? Let's read it from John 9, verse 19. And they asked, and this is the Pharisees asking the parents, is this your son who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? His parents answered them and said, we know that this is our son and that he was born blind. But by what means he now sees, we do not know. Or who opened his eyes? We do not know. He is of age. Ask him. He will speak for himself. What? What? This is your son who was born blind? This great miracle? Jesus is the one who did it? You should be saying, you people, leave Jesus alone. This guy is the son of God. Everyone worship this man. Even if you hate his guts, I'm going to worship him for the rest of my life. He healed my son. But they didn't. They said, you ask him. I don't know. You know he's our son, but I don't know. They distanced themselves. Why? Next verse explains why. His parents said these things because they what? They feared the Jews. For the Jews had agreed already that if anyone confessed that he was the Christ, he would be put out of the synagogue. Therefore, his parents said, he is of age. Ask him. And the list goes on and on and on about people who knew what was right, who knew what they wanted to do, but jumped off the bridge. Why? Because all their friends told them to jump off the bridge. And they were scared that their friends wouldn't like them if they jumped off the bridge. It might be worth asking yourself, is there an area of my life where I am caving in to the expectations of others? Is there an area in my life where if it wasn't for others, I would be doing this or I wouldn't be doing this? But the only reason I'm in it, even though I justify it as much as I want, is because of the fear of the disapproval of others or rejection of others. John chapter 12, verse 42 and 43. Nevertheless, even among the rulers, many believed in him, but because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him. Any chance that applies to us? Any chance that applies to us at your work, in your neighborhood, that we know and we believe and we worship? But when someone asks us, 
We back off. We would say, but we, why? They did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue, for they love the praise of men more than the praise of God. I'll show you that you're a people pleaser. You've got a problem with this. Who in your life, who in your life would know more about God if you weren't afraid to tell them? If you were not afraid of the rejection of others at all, zero percent, who would know more about this church? Who would know more about what God did for them? Who would know more about the words that were given to us as gold in the scripture? Who would know? Is there anyone in your life that fits into that category? So what I'm saying here is, I'm not judging you or judging. I'm saying we all have a little people pleaser inside of us. And what we need to figure out today is the antidote to the people pleaser that's inside of us. Because like I said, if you don't, you'll be miserable for the rest of your life trying to live up to the expectations and approval of others. And the worst part of this is that it is a self-inflicted prison upon yourself 100%. We can do something about this crazy maker. You may not be able to do something about your boss, your sister, your mother, but you can do something about this crazy maker. What we're going to do about this crazy maker is we're going to do what it says in John chapter 8, verse 32. Jesus said, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. We're going to look at three, four truths today from the word of God. And we are going to do our best to remember these truths. And I encourage you, if you struggle with people-pleasing, you need to memorize these truths. You need to burn these truths inside of you. You need to hold them up in front of you at all times and remind yourselves of these four truths. They're really easy to remember. Because the only way that your life is going to be changed is if you change, okay, the beliefs that are in your head. Like Jesus said, be transformed, or like St. Paul said, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So, Four truths that we want to burn into our memory. Remember, number one, that even God himself can't please everyone. Even God himself cannot please everyone. You know how I know God can't please everyone? Because I'm a sports fan. And if you're a sports fan, you know this. Because on the same Sunday that I'm on my floor praying that the field goal would go in? Is someone on the other side of the country praying that the field goal would go out? And I think back to even like this past Super Bowl where we had the Niners against the Ravens and you had two brothers who were the head coaches and the poor, poor parents of these two boys because they couldn't win. And oftentimes you think that's how God is. Here I am and they're sitting up there in the press box and they got 10,000 cameras on them and they're just waiting for... This good play, and these guys are cheering, and they want to cheer, but they can't because this one's sad. That's how God is. 50% of the time at every sports game, God gets disapproved. 50% of the people that go to any sporting event disapprove of God. Because some are praying this, and some are praying this. Right now, you have people in the world who are praying for rain. Other people are praying for sun. One of them has to be upset with God. Like, God cannot please everyone so why do you think that you can please everyone? Like you're better than God? You know what I discovered? Is not only, here's my theory. Not only, okay, truth, you can't please everyone. Theory, I believe that at all times, 50% of the people will disapprove of you. If you ever do anything, unless you sit on the couch and do nothing. But if you ever try to do anything beneficial and fruitful in life, 50% of the people will disapprove of you. You know, again, back to sports. You go see a poll about who are the most popular athletes in America. Let's take basketball players, okay, because we're in basketball season now. You know who the most popular basketball players are? Kobe Bryant, LeBron James. You do a poll on who are the most disliked players in basketball, you know who they are? Kobe Bryant, LeBron James. Who's the most beloved team in all of baseball? The Yankees. Who's the most hated team in all of baseball? The Yankees. It's a double-edged sword that the people who have a lot of people who love them also have a lot of people who don't. My theory in life, let's say you're not in sports. Here's another good one I thought of. President. Okay, since you're not sports, you're D.C. A president who gets elected to president of the United States of America barely, and actually sometimes doesn't even, reach the majority vote, right? Like oftentimes, they may get to 51%, 
But oftentimes it's not. It's like 49 to 47 and some other Ross Perot kind of guys are down there getting some other votes, okay? You can be the President of the United States and you can walk in and more than half the country doesn't want you. And that's before you was in office, okay? And then once you get in there, then all bets are off after you started making decisions. The rule is that you try to do something, you got to expect that people won't like it. Luke 6, 26. Jesus said it this way. Woe to you when all men speak well of you. Y'all know what woe to you means? Like he's not saying it doesn't matter if people don't like you. It's not what he's saying. He's saying woe to you if everyone approves of you. Why? You know what it means if everyone approves of you? That means you stand for nothing. It means you do nothing. That means you are a wall. No one, everyone approves of this wall. It's a very nice wall. And if everyone approves of you, you're no better than the wall. You can go stand next to the wall. We can lean on you, take pictures. That's fine. But you're of no benefit at all if everyone approves of you. Because the minute, like I said, the minute you go and take a stand for something, for a belief, a conviction, something, you got to expect that someone's going to throw a rock at you. The minute you try to improve your life or someone else's life, people are going to throw stuff at you. There's only one time in life people will all speak well of you and approve of you. You know when that is? Your funeral, exactly. Okay. That's the only time. So if that's what you're waiting for, okay, that's fine. Okay. Even God can't please everyone. Not only can you not please everyone, but truth number two, I don't need people's approval to be happy. Now this one, a lie that so many of us, I don't even know how we believe it, because we don't even believe that we believe it, but we live it is that we think we need our mom's approval to be happy. Or I need my sister's approval. Or I need my husband to approve of everything that I do in order to be happy. This is a lie. This is a lie that's not true. It's a lie. It's a connection that you've made in your head, but it's not true. You have given control of your happiness to other people, but no one forced you to do it. You're the one who made that decision. Look at someone like St. Paul, who was beaten, abandoned, ridiculed, thrown in prison, left for dead, stoned, shipwrecked. Like, look at all the stuff that he did, or he went through. But he never allowed it to influence his happiness, or his mood, or his spirit. You know why? Because he said this, 1 Thessalonians 2.4. I'm not trying to please people, I'm trying to please God who tests our heart. How is it that everybody could hate St. Paul? And he could say, rejoice in the Lord always. How? Because he wasn't caring about the approval of people. That wasn't his mark of what he's trying to achieve in life. Some of us, unfortunately, we spent our whole lives trying to please people. We spent our whole lives trying to please people who cannot be pleased. Maybe it's a parent who, if you got C's, wanted B's. If you got B's, they wanted A's. If you got A's, they wanted straight A's. And here's what I'm trying to tell you. It's not you, it's them. You can't please them. You think in your mind, no, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to show them. I'm going to do this, and then they're going to approve of me. I'm going to do this, and then they're going to leave me alone. They haven't left you alone as far as I can leave you alone now. What I'm trying to tell you is, is that you don't need their approval to be happy. You've given them that power. And it's time for us, the people of God, to say, I don't need it. I need to please God, not people. And I know for a fact that if I please God, oftentimes the people are not going to be happy with me. Fact number three, truth number three. What seems important now is only temporary. What seems important now is only temporary. To all the drama queens out there. To all the drama queens out there. The thing that is the end of the world today. Probably isn't the end of the world tomorrow. If you struggle with people pleasing. Most likely, you are putting too much emphasis on something temporary 
and something short-term and too little emphasis on long-term things for the sake of the short-term. You know what the least valuable thing in the world is? The least valuable thing in the world? Yesterday's newspaper. No value. No matter how valuable it was yesterday, it is of zero value today. Actually, to be honest, the morning paper by evening is of no value. Now by evening is of no value. Why? Because some of the things that we make a big deal out of in the short term aren't that important in the long term. Again, let's go back to high school. Let's show you an example from high school. Go back to high school. Everyone go back to your high school years. What was the most important thing when you were in high school? If I go to you when you were whatever year it was, and I said, tell me the five most important things going on in your life right now. What do you think you'd say? Mmm, well, um, does Susie like me? Will Jimmy invite me to homecoming? Will I be invited to this party? Will I be able to sit at this table? Today, as you look back, and those things were so important. How important are those things now? Unless you're sitting next to Susie or Jimmy right now, okay, then it's most likely insignificant. But at the time, it seemed like such a big deal, didn't it? Maturity, to me, my definition of maturity, is knowing what matters and what doesn't matter. And being able to see that this doesn't really matter that much in the long term. One time I was, uh, not, it was several years ago, I don't remember when it was, I was hanging out with some of my former college buddies, all right, guys that we hung out with in college. And I was shocked. Like, some people peak early in life, okay? And I was hanging out with some of these guys, and it was as if the peak of their life was freshman year in college. And remember when we, and we pulled that prank, and it was, remember when we were hanging out, it was that, and I'm like, come on, man. Like, that was the pinnacle of your life. Like, you peaked too early. You know what I mean? Like, you hit the peak, and you're still thinking back to, like, those years as if they were like, like, come on, man. Like, there's so much more. I, I hope I haven't reached my peak yet. That's, that's my hope. My, and I hope you haven't reached your peak yet either. And that what we're living for today, okay, it's nice, but we know that the trajectory of our life is still on the upward. And there's more important stuff coming down the road. That's the difference between the short-term thinking, which leads to people-pleasing. If you're short-term, that today is the most important, people-pleasing will be very important to you. That you want to make sure this guy approves of you, or this girl likes you, or whatever it may be. Long-term thinking, you're free to think beyond that. 1 John chapter 2, verse 17. The world is passing away in the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. What's the lust of the world? What do people in this world lust after? What do people care about? People care about money. People care about success in a worldly sense. Prestige. People care about fame, about popularity. All these things. All of those things, you're going to leave all that here. And none of that stuff is going to matter. Like, you ain't going to show up to heaven with your, 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 your bank statement in hand. Being like, okay, I'll take one of those rooms. They don't work like that. You're not going to work, go up there and say, look how many friends I have on Facebook. And say, oh, you were po okay, so you go to this room, the popular kid's room. It's not going to work like that. One of the things that I always think is funny, I'm not saying in any way about me in any way, okay, that like, I, I believe me, anyone knows me, I don't think in any way I'm famous. But other people sometimes treat me as if, like I'm, people like sometimes treat me as if I am. People say, oh, you're, it's just because you see me on the computer, on YouTube, so you feel like it's like on TV. Any idiot can put himself on YouTube, okay? So it's not very complicated. You want me to put you on? It's, it's not that big a deal. But some people look at me, and I, I laugh inside when I see someone who wants to be famous. It's not all it's cracked up to be. And you know how you know it? Look at people in Hollywood. They work their whole lives to be known by people. Then they're known by people, and what do they do when they walk around in public? Glass sunglasses, they hide with the thing over their head, and they don't want anyone to know who they are. They work their whole life to be known, then as soon as they're known, they work their whole life so that nobody notices them. Fame ain't all scratched up to be. Neither is riches, neither is a big house, neither is a nice car, neither, none of that stuff really matters. All that stuff is passing away. Jesus said it this way. Now those 
You are those who justify yourselves before men, but God knows your hearts. For what is highly esteemed among men is an abomination in the sight of God. True story. Years ago, several years ago, I read about it. I wasn't around when it happened. Some people wanted to pull a prank around Christmas time. So they went to a Walmart. And what they did when, I guess, I don't know how they pulled it off, but they switched all the price tags around in the Walmart. So this thing which cost $100, they put a price tag that said $1. And this thing which said $1, they put $50. And they switched all the price tags around. And then the next day, people came into the Walmart. And as you can imagine, chaos ensued. Absolute chaos. Because people were coming saying, no, it says this is a dollar. People were upset. People were furious. Because what they thought was expensive was garbage. And what they thought was garbage was expensive. I promise you, the devil, one night when we were all sleeping, snuck into the world. He did the same thing in the world. He switched all the price tags. Fame. Worth nothing. Let's put the expensive one on that. Let's tell the people this is very expensive. Relationships? No, no, no. Put the $1 on those. Who cares about that? Your character? No, no, no. Who cares about that? Pleasing God? Make that 50 cents. Money? Make that very expensive. Prestige? Make that very expensive. And he switched all the price tags. One day we're going to get up there. We're going to look down. And it's going to be like looking at that Walmart store. Chaos ensued chaos. That's what the earth is today. It's chaos. People trying to grab stuff that's worthless. That this person would approve of me, or this person would like me, or this person would think I'm important, or this person would be my friend. Worthless. Worthless. That's what Jesus said. That the things, what is highly esteemed among men, is abomination in the sight of God. So we're going to remember our three truths so far. Let's recap. Truth number one is that I must remember that Say it with me. Remember that? Even God can't please everyone. And you just think about the Super Bowl and you remember that. Truth number two is I remember that. I don't need people's approval to be happy. I think that I can't be happy until this person approves, but I don't need that. Truth number three is that. Just uh, temporary, okay? <laughs> yes. That's temporary, okay? That's what you remember, is that the approval of people, there's certain things that are temporary and certain things that are long-term. And what seems important today probably isn't. And then truth number four is that in the end, when all is said and done, I only have to please one person. I only have to please one person. And I'm telling you, if you get this, if you get this, it will simplify your life in such a way. It will simplify the complexities and complications of life and the difficulties and just the mess of life. If you really get this and you ingrain this inside you that I only have to please one person. You know when you go to work, and you, we all do this. Don't say you don't do it. You're there your first day, and you quickly try to figure out who are the important players in the office. Who's the one who's signing the reviews? Who's the one who makes a difference? And you try to be nice, kiss up to that person. Imagine you worked for years, and you were kissing up to this guy as if he's the one who's going to give you everything, and you find out he's the trash man. And you find out the one that you've been walking right by is the CEO of the company. That's how a lot of us is going to live our lives. You only have to please one person. In this game of life, figure out who signs the promotions, who signs the bonuses, who's the one who sits there, and when he says yay or nay is what matters, and work on pleasing that person. A couple of verses from Scripture, John 5, 44. How can you believe you who receive honor from one another and do not seek the honor that comes from the only God. Saying that if you are seeking honor from others, not only like it's bad, you're going to be miserable, but how can you even call yourself a believer? If you're seeking honor from people, how you call yourself a believer? How you call yourself a child of God if you're seeking honor from others? 
St. Paul says it this way in Galatians 1.10. For now, do I persuade men or God? Do I seek to please men? For if I still please men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. Yeah, Lord, we worship you. And yeah, yeah, we're your servants. And yeah, yeah, anything you want. But you're trying to please others? Are you trying to please Christ? If you're trying to please others, why do you say you're a bondservant of Christ? You're not. You're a bondservant of the others. Jesus said you can't serve God and man. You can't serve God and anything else. You can't worship God and anything else. You know why people-pleasing is so bad? Like, let me tell you why it's so, like, it doesn't seem like that harmless of a sin. And it seems like, you know, the world would all be a better place if everyone was just pleasing each other. You know why it's bad? Because people-pleasing at its root is idolatry. It's idolatry. And if you go back to the very, very beginning when God said, I'm going to give you my top ten list of rules, the first two of them dealt with idolatry. No other gods, no graven images. No other gods before me, I'm the Lord your God. I freed you out of each, we have no other gods before me. And then he said, don't make any carved image, stone, wood, the sun, the moon, anything created, don't worship that. Don't you dare worship that. People-pleasing is a form of idolatry. You know why? I've said this before. Worship, all right, the word worship at its root means to place value in something. It comes from the two words worth and ship. So when I worship God, it's saying that God has worth-ship in my eyes. He has worth, value. He's very valuable in my eyes. So really, when he said don't worship anything else, He's saying, don't put your worth and your value in anything else. And anything else that you do. That's why you can worship work. You can worship people. You can worship a relationship. You can worship money. You can worship sex. You can worship anything that you say, this is the most important thing. And you can worship the approval of others. You can worship the approval of others. And that becomes an idol in your life. How do I worship the approval of others? It's when I know what's right and I don't do it. Or when I know what's wrong and I do do it because of others. It's when I know I should speak up, but I don't know if I should speak up. It's when I know I should take a stand, but I refuse to take a stand because I'm worried about what other people think about me. When you care more about what people think than what God thinks. When you make decisions based on what people will say, not about what God will say, idolatry look I'm not trying to stand up here and say that I'm perfect and I don't care what anyone says about me and just be like me I'm not trying I'm telling you I struggle with this just as much as you do in fact I probably think I struggle more because part of my job is that people like me you know what I mean like 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 that's like my approval rating is when people like me like that that's that's how like that that's a thing so I struggle with this too even just yesterday, I'll tell you a funny story. Just yesterday, I was at my kid's baseball game, and I was, my kid's team was hitting. It wasn't my kid that was hitting. He was on uh, second base at the time. I'm first base coach, all right, and our team is hitting. And a guy hits a dribbler back to the pitcher, throws it to the first baseman. And the first baseman catches it and then leaps over first base, and our guy runs and tags the base. And the other team's coach, two coaches say, Inning over, go back. And I'm there, and I'm like, inning ain't over. And I'm standing right behind the other parents, like the parents of the other team, who are like cheering, and I'm like, speak up, speak up, speak up, speak up. And I know I should speak up, because the truth is the kid ran over the base. The kid was safe. And I wanted to speak up, but a piece of me was so scared. But then I, I did like this, and I did like this. And I talked to the guy behind me, like, you saw. So I, I know the feeling, okay? Believe me, I was scared I was going to get right. The parents were going to go crazy on me. But the kid jumped over the base. The truth is the truth. He was safe. Okay, and I made the gutsy call, okay, and the kid was safe, okay, so they thanked me. Afterwards, I was a hero with all of our parents. I was like, you see what I did at first base? They're like, yeah, good job. My point is, is that I know the feeling. No one wants people to say bad stuff about them. People say, hey, you, buddy. No one wants people to disapprove them. I know. But I also know that one day I'm going to stand in front of God. And I'm going to stand in front of him. I'm going to have nothing in my hands. Be completely naked in front of God. And I have to answer to him. I'm not going to answer to my boss. I'm not going to answer to my mom. I'm not going to answer to my coworkers. 
not going to answer my neighbors. I'm not going to answer my kids. I'm not going to answer anything. Stand in front of God. I'm going to answer in front of him. And he's going to say, what drove the decisions that you made? Me? My approval? Or approval of others? I'm going to show you a verse that changed my life several years ago. Luke 9, verse 25 and 26. What profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and is himself destroyed or lost? For whoever, this is a tough verse, whoever is ashamed of me and my words, of him the Son of Man will be ashamed when he comes in his own glory and in his Father's and of the holy angels. That's a tough verse. This verse, I want to say, changed me in a positive way because I'm very spiritual and I want to say that but this verse scared me is what I want the truth because I picture myself like I said in front of God and if I'm ashamed of him he's going to say no I don't know him like now I'm ashamed of you that's what the words say it's not me and actually there's even a tougher version in Matthew chapter 10 verse 33 but I won't, it's not in your handout it's too tough said, if you deny me, I deny you. Not just I'm ashamed, but I'm saying I don't know you. That's tough. My human nature, I want people to like me. I want people to care. Then I need to combat that. And I need to lift my eyes up and remember, I'm living for the approval of one person. And sometimes it's hard. But then I need to remember that he hung on a cross. And he was, he was hanging on that cross, and all the people disapproved him. And he could have done a myriad of things to gain the people to say, we love you, Jesus. And he could have done many, 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 many things so that people would say, no, we love you, be our king. He could have done many, many, many things. But he stuck it out, and he said, for you, I'll do this. I will stick it out for you. People will hate me, but I'll do it for you. People will kill me, but I'll stick it out for you. I will not deny you. And now... It's our turn to respond back to that. And will you deny him? I know with your mouth you say, no, I never deny him. That's what Peter said. I know with your mouth you say, no, I never do the wrong thing. That's what Pilate said. I know with your mouth you say, no, no, no. That's what the parents of the born blind man said. But in the end, fear of people became bigger for them than God. To me, who's biggest in your life? You're always going to have people whose approval that you seek. Always. But I need those people to get smaller, and I need God to get bigger. And as God gets bigger, like the two are inversely proportional to one another. The bigger the approval of people gets, the littler the approval of God gets, and vice versa. The more and more I seek the approval of God, the less and less I will care about the approval of others. Not in a negative way, in a selfish way, not in a lazy way, not like that but in a way that I seek to please God. And to please God, oftentimes he'll tell me, go please your neighbor. Go love your neighbor. Go support your neighbor. I'm not, I'm not saying against any of that stuff. But I do it to seek the approval of one person. Let me be blunt. Okay, I'm going to be blunt. I'll finish up on a blunt note. Okay? If you think that there's anyone out there can make you happy, that if you just got their approval, that you would be set for life, you are deceived. And if you are seeking the approval of anyone over the approval of God, you are in for quite a shock when you stand in front of the throne of God and you see that all the price tags have been switched. All the price tags have been switched. I love this verse. I love this This verse. Isaiah 51, verse 12. God says, I, even I, am he who comforts you. Who are you that you should be afraid of a man who will die and of a son of man who will be made like grass? I love this verse because it reminds me that my eternity, but even more than my eternity, my life on this earth, my satisfaction on earth. I can't, I can't build that on people. 
Like I can't put all my eggs into the basket of this person will make me happy or this person is going to satisfy me or fulfill me. I can't do that because that's shaky. That's building a house on sand. And that house at times will look very, very nice. But then the wind's going to come and the rain's going to come and that whole thing's going to be washed away. The only way the house will stand is if I build it on a rock and that rock is the approval of God. And if my life is based on anything other than the approval of God and the pleasing of God, that, that house is going to fall. You'll be miserable. Like, I'm sorry to say, I'm not saying I wish misery upon you. I'm saying you'll be miserable. Because God is the only one who can say, like he said in Psalm 27, that even if my father and mother forsake me, even if my father and mother forsake me, God said, I'll never leave you. Even my father and mother, God said, I'll never leave you. What I'm going to do is I'm going to ask Maria to come back up here. Okay, We can sing a nice little song together before we wrap up. But as we sing together, I want you to do two things. Okay, right now, two things. I want you to believe, and I want you to imagine. A dream, let's say dream. I want you to believe, and I want you to dream. I want you to believe, number one, that God is going to set some people free from the prison of people pleasing today. I really believe that. That some of us, and like I said, you may not have considered yourself a people pleaser, but you are not living fully for the approval of God and God alone. And I believe, and I want you to believe, there's going to be some people today, and I hope you're one of them, that today you're going to say, I live for you alone. And I don't know what that means. I don't know what that's going to look like. And I don't know what I'm going to do. So I'm going to go out for the same. Like I'm, I don't know what that's going to look like. But Lord, today, all I want to do is I want to please you. I want to please you. I want to live for you. I don't know what that means. And then number two, I want you to dream. And I want you to dream of what life would look like when you care only about pleasing God. And the approval of others doesn't mean anything. Dream what the world would look like if all of us ran out of here like crazy people who didn't care what people's approval, we only cared about God's approval. Imagine what Arlington would look like. They wouldn't know it hit it. Imagine what your life, believe and dream. Let's stand up together. This is my desire to honor you, Lord, with all my heart, I worship you, with all that is within me, I give you I give you my heart, I give you my soul, I live for you alone, every breath that I take, every moment I'm awake, Lord have your way in me, this is my desire. To honor you, Lord, with all my heart, I worship you. All that is within me, I give you that I adore is in you. Lord, I give you my heart. I give you my soul. I live for you alone. Every breath that 
I take every moment I'm awake. Lord, have your way in me. Lord, I give you my heart. I give you my soul. I live for you alone. Every breath that I take, every moment I'm awake, Lord, have your way in me. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Lord, our only desire is to truly please you and to live for you. And we really want that to be the song of our heart, not just that we sing on Sundays, Lord, but that we really live out the rest of our lives. Lord, there's nothing in this world that matters more than, than, than you giving us a thumbs up each and every single day. And we don't ever want to get blinded by the temporary things in this world that distract us and pull us away. So, Lord, I'm praying and all of us are praying, and I know that you're going to hear our prayers. We're all praying, Lord, that you do like a work inside of our hearts we can't help it that so many times, Lord, we look to people and we seek people and we think that people are the answers to our problems. But Lord, this day we want to start like a new start with you. That really our only, only approval that we seek, Lord, is coming from you. We know that that's not easy and we know that's going to be hard, but we trust that you are a mighty God and with you nothing is impossible. And you can change hearts that their whole lives have been like slaves to people pleasing and slaves to seeking approval from others. And free us this day, Lord. You said that you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. So we pray, Lord, that your word of truth would set some hearts free this day, and that we would live free the way that you envisioned us to live, seeking only the approval of you. You are our Lord. You are our master. You are our creator. You are our everything, Lord. And our only desire is to please you. Lord, I pray that you would really free some hearts this day, and that you would do a great work inside our hearts and our lives and our church and our city and our community in our works, in our schools, in our everything, Lord. Because only, only you know, Lord, the great things that are awaiting once we free ourselves from people-pleasing and just live just for you and your approval. We love you and we thank you and we praise you. And we pray that you would accept this prayer in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, with the intercessions and prayers of all your saints. Hear us as we pray thankfully. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In Christ Jesus our Lord, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Thank you all very much. Have a great week, and I'll see you next week for the finale in the Crazy Maker series.